Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. You wouldn't know it by looking outside right now. But it is baseball season, and let's go down to Jupiter talking with the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt. He joins us via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Mike, we sincerely appreciate the time today. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. My privilege is going to enjoy uh, some time with you guys. Well, Mike, you picked the perfect time to uh, to join us and the perfect time to make sure you're <laughs> down in Jupiter, Florida, because we're getting like 10 inches of snow out here. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... I feel like I uh, hopefully you got a little little vicariously through what we're enjoying down here. Um, I mean, it's a light blue, seventy three, and sunny skies. Oh. Thanks for passing that yeah, along, Mike. Perfect. Because <laughs> I'm looking outside right now, and I cannot see uh, I cannot see any of the roads. It is just a, a blizzard wow. basically taking place outside. So it, yeah. it's going well out here, to say the least. All right, Mike, let's start with spring training because you're down there in Jupiter. You're you're getting things geared up. What's it going to be like this year? I mean, it's it's a weird still uh, time for all of us, and you guys are trying to make it through during the middle of a pandemic. What's spring training going to be like for you guys? What are your expectations? Well, our expectations will be uh, we'll get everything we need to do to compete individually and as a group to be ready to start our season and have a good foundation to to uh, to, to play good championship caliber baseball over the next six plus months. So that's the next expectation. How we go about doing it is a little foreign. We had a little practice last year with um, our summer camp after a. Uh, close to three-month quarantine after the um, spring training shutdown of, of last year. So we have a little experience um, in getting, getting through it, um, and we'll just continue to do what we can to stay within the parameters, keep everybody safe, but also make sure we're, we're getting the guys ready to compete. Mike, by no means is this going to be a normal season, but I would imagine you're giddy to get this started because you'll have a, at least from what we're understanding, a full spring training and a full 162 game schedule rather than what it was last year with an abbreviated schedule and everything that took place. Yeah. Excited about the fact that it's more traditional season. I think that's good for, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, baseball is meant to be a little more of a, there's sprints within it, but there's, it's also more of a marathon. So it's a, it satisfies and weeds your appetite in a couple of different ways. So, um, it's good to get back to that schedule. You know, spring training schedule will be a little more adjusted based on what we historically have had, um, based on the five-team pod we're in with an off-day built in. Not to, you know, we'll still work out and do some things uh, on that fifth day where we don't have an actual game. But 
you know, looking at 24 spring training games as opposed to 33 that were on the calendar last year, including the exhibition. So, um, you know, that part's a little different. We adjust to it, but we're excited about it. I'm curious, Mike, uh, we've talked about this a lot, and I, w- I would love to hear from a managerial perspective how you look at this. When you had that 60-game season and guys are not able to get their normal innings in, especially for the young guys, how does that affect the plan for your pitching staff going into this year? Do you do you consider a six-man rotation? Do you think about going with a piggyback situation? How do you make sure that you don't go from a guy throwing 40 or 50 innings a year ago to 200 innings this year? Or, or is that something you're not concerned about at all? Oh, no, we're concerned about it. Um, you know, the good news is uh, we've got a pitching coach in Mike Maddox that has a little wealth of experience. And, um, but we're super intentional about individually making sure our plans are so, as solid as possible with our, with our players. And I say with because, you know, a large part of what we'll do is, you know, we'll make plans. We've got plans uh, that get mapped out. They also get adjusted um, in a couple of different manners. And, and that adjustment, but those plans are also – um, in concert with our players. We trust our players. We have open dialogue with them. Um, we, we try to um, stay ahead of things as much as possible. So if we think something's getting a little out of whack or the player mentioned it to us, it was something we see, whether we feel like the load's been a little bit more intense or there's been more stress or um, some of the measurables that now we can, we can um, follow with our performance department, um, provide us indicators. So we, there's a lot of factors that go into what that looks like. Uh, I will say this in a in a big picture, uh, you know, the the amount of work that the players received last year, albeit shorter than traditionally, on a full season, with clearly us playing really 58 games in the regular season and of course the playoffs. But relative to a 162 game season, we still and we were able to monitor and individually uh, assess moving forward, the amount of workload that took place. So if you still think about it, an encouraging thing from that workload standpoint is if you look at the calendar year last year of the pitchers, they all had a traditional starting point to get them ready for, a, I believe last year was a February uh, 14th or 4th day mm-hmm. um, for the pitchers and catchers. And then they went through and we were able to get 20 of our tw- uh, 33 games in in of a normal spring training so my point is players, pitchers specifically got built up and through to get ready for that season and well-documented three-month shutdown. That was probably the time where there was, a, um, while we did track it, there was a, um, less workload in the calendar season that took place last year. Um, the guys did keep their arm exercise, did throw. We were as intentional as we could be working with them, and they were individually to, to kind of continue to read the tea leaves about when we're going to start. And of course, that was a little bit of a yo-yo um, for, for three months. But point being is guys were able to throw, get some sides in, some more than others, based on their quarantine capabilities and what they were uh, legally allowed to, to have access to. And then we start up our summer camp, which really was a continuation of spring training, condensed, but nonetheless, a period of time where where guys are able to throw, get their bullpens in, get to face the competition in, in our own hitters. We had the one exhibition game um, against Kansas City at home. And then, of course, the season took place and it kind of went from there. So the long answer to that is um, pitchers were able to keep their arms conditioned over the course of, of a pretty standard season. 
um, with not as much intensity, especially in that quarantine period, but nonetheless um, a workload representative of, of throwing and conditioning their arms. So uh, we'll take that information based on last year and then, of course, a little bit of information from the previous year's workload and then we'll put our best effort to uh, figure out a way to keep guys healthy the best we can um, for what we expect to be a, a long season. Again, we're talking with manager Mike Schilt for the Cardinals here on BK and Ferrario. Mike, speaking of workload, uh, you got to be pretty excited about the fact that the outfielders for you, specifically these younger guys and Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas, Dylan Carlson, Justin Williams, they're going to get an opportunity to, uh, to take on a heavy workload for this season rather than what the last couple of years have looked like. Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, the, the trade to, to, to cre- create some opportunities, even more opportunities for the guys with from, with Dexter, um, you know, took place. And going to miss the heck out of Dexter. It's, it's a guy that um, I think was a little um, maybe underappreciated, especially the last couple of years and what he was able to help us do um, in making the playoffs. I got the privilege of, of seeing him and how he took care of his business the last several years and how he – was a positive influence on the on the younger players in our clubhouse and had a uh, dedication towards us being a, a championship caliber club. So, but it does create opportunity. Um, you know, I do feel like the, the players, you know, have received rightful opportunities. But now we clearly are going to get more of an opportunity for him. Harrison's going on parts of his fifth season in the big leagues with us and has been a pretty much an everyday player for us. Tyler O'Neill got. You know, he got one less plate appearance than Yachty got last year. Um, so he won a gold glove, qualified for a gold glove based on his plate appearances. So, you know, he's getting some opportunities. We'll continue to get them. You know, Dylan, uh, once we had the the summer camp situation take place and, and, of course, we had the outbreak, that allowed him an opportunity to play a lot um, and, of course, and, and continue to do so in the playoffs and contribute in, in the middle of the lineup. So, you know, those guys have gotten our opportunities. I'm excited about them getting more opportunities. They're good players. I'm excited to see what they can do. You mentioned, uh, you know, Lane Thomas. Lane had a nice year um, in, in 19, and the chance that he's, you know, he took advantage of the opportunities he got was getting more opportunities, got hit with the pitch and broke his handmaid, and then last year was sidelined with, you know, COVID. So really couldn't get on track last year. Um, Austin Dean's a guy we got in a trade the year before, um, and last year was year, first year with us. Um, and, and showed had a really good spring train in summer camp. So he decided to get him some opportunities. And you mentioned Justin Williams, who um, missed the beginning of 20, 2019 and missed big league camp due to an injury with his wrist um, and then came up and helped last year a little bit at the big league club and started to get to know him a little bit more. And um, He's getting more opportunities to show what he can do in big league camp and uh, get more opportunities on the big league club. Mike Schill, Cardinals manager, joining us here for just another minute or two on 101 ESPN. Mike, I know you, you probably have heard this already from the outside when you're talking to anybody, but there's been a lot of fun that has been had on the radio in recent weeks about you know what this lineup could look like. Now that you have Nolan Arenado in the middle of the order, you've got Paul Goldschmidt, we're all putting Carlson second or third in this order. Uh, have you given any consideration so far to what this could look like at the top? And who are some of those uh, top contenders, maybe the top contender for that leadoff spot going into the season. Yeah, I have thought about it. Um, I don't allow myself to think about it. I knew the club would, would probably take on a little bit different shape as we got closer to spring training. So um, I put my mental and physical energies into more of the known variables, and that's the communication, the off-season plan, and the overall uh, making sure everybody's collaborative of, of, of our off-season plan for our group individually and helping our staff 
moving forward. So, yeah, I got to a point when, uh, the, when Mo called me about the trade being official with Nolan. Um, you know, that was really the first night I started thinking about some lineups, and that's a fun thing to think about. Obviously, it's a it's a fun topic to talk about. Understandably, it's one of the wonderful things about our game um, is talking lineups. So, you know, it's, it's uh, obviously that no one adds depth to the lineup. When you start thinking about to your question about the top of the lineup, you know, the good news is there's there's um, a lot of quality um, candidates for it. You know, and I, I never really believed in platoons, so I did believe more in matchups. Um, I think the analytic world supports that. Um, you know, it just makes common sense, too. You want to put players in a position where they have the most likely chance of succeeding. Um, you know, Tommy Edmonds done a nice job towards the top of our lineup. The uh, benefit for him is, you know, you got a, you got a guy that can switch it and has shown the ability to be effective from both sides of the plate, usually a little stronger from the right side but historically, but has shown some things from the left side that we feel comfortable about. So he's done it at the top of the lineup. He runs well. He runs the bases well. Um, so there's – you know, some advocate for that at the top. Um, you mentioned Dylan, uh, similar deal, switch hitter, you know, has strength from both sides of the plate, can run, good base runner. Um, so, you know, he's an opportunity to hit towards the top. You know, Bader's killed lefties the last couple of years um, and does a nice job in the base as well. So, um, you know, he's a candidate to hit up there potentially against lefties. Um, of course, you've got um, – you know, I would expect Goldie and, and, and Nolan to anchor more to the middle of the lineup. Um, you know, traditionally that's more 3-4. That's where they've used to been have, have hit. Um, does that mean that's where they'll hit? Can they hit 2-3? and three? Yeah, they absolutely can. Um, we'll take a look at all that. It's one of the reasons we're going to – we're down here in this uh, – not to rub it in, but beautiful weather down here in South Florida. <laughs> uh, we'll get an opportunity to, to see what that looks like and see how it shakes out. So, um Anyway, it's good to have options, and, and we're, we're excited to have options. And irregardless how it goes, we know we'll have some length in the lineup, which is really what's most important. We'll allow the bragging of the weather, Mike, because we're excited about baseball season. <laughs> Real quick before we let you go, I know you got to get back to work. Just want to ask you about having Yachty and Wayno back. I know you've talked a lot about it in the offseason of how much impact they have on this ball club, but to have this season, both of them being back has to be pretty exciting. Yeah, super exciting. I'm, I'm another tip of the hat in the front office, not only bringing them back, but also – you know, add Nolan to our club as well, and know what that looks like to provide us a, a quality club on the field. And you know, look, I said it, I'm advocates, but it's easy to advocate for for guys like uh, Wayno and Yachty. I mean, they're winners. That's, that's where it starts, right there. They they know how to win. They're dedicated to winning. They're um, clearly good players individually. They've had storied careers. And what I appreciate about them is they're still hungry for more. They they have a strong desire for us to win at the highest level this year to win a World Series and. I appreciate and love the attitude about that and respect that and, and um, am completely on board with what those expectations look like. And, um, you know, they're also another thing I really appreciate and respect about them is just how they carry themselves. They're, they're pros, pros. They're great teammates. They're, they're leaders of, of uh, themselves. They're leaders of our clubhouse. And they're also um, really, really quality leaders and good stewards in our community. So I just respect them across the board. Well, Mike, we are certainly excited to see them back in Cardinals uniforms, and we can't wait for this season to officially kick off. I mean, I 
I've been here in St. Louis since 2016. It's as excited as I've seen Cardinals fans in that time about this team. So we can't wait to watch you guys. Can't wait to talk with you again soon because we have so many other questions. We didn't even get into the bullpen or what the back end of this rotation could look like. There's a lot of excitement around the team, and we can't wait for it. He's Mike Schilt, Cardinals manager, joining us here on 101 ESPN. All the best, Mike. Stay safe down there, and we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy, and have a blessed day. Absolutely. Same to you. That is Mike Schilt joining us here on 101 ESPN. Find it interesting. We asked about the leadoff spot. Do you know who we didn't mention? Did you? It's not. It sometimes it's as much about the omissions as it is about the answers. He said Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson. He mentioned my guy Harrison Bader against left-handed pitching, which I think would be a really smart idea. Do you notice who he didn't say there? Good old Matt Carpenter. Hey, that's because he's the unsung hero, and nobody they want to let him fly under the radar. So then, when he takes over that spot, and he says, "Hey, BK." Stop reading too much into things. Found it interesting that he didn't mention Matt Carpenter's name there. Also find it to be the obvious thing. Like, uh, of course, I, I, it might be possible still that Carpenter could be the starting leadoff hitter at some point during the season. That might happen. I would be very, very, very surprised if on opening day that is the plan. Why don't you leave the tinfoil to Ferrari? <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. I also, just to kind of wrap things up here, I did think that there were some interesting things there. Uh, He also mentioned Goldie and Arenado, the kind of plan going into spring training. He basically told you 3-4. It could be ending ending up as them being 2-3, but at least to start things off going 3-4. 2-3 actually makes some sense. Gives you protection to Dylan Carlson if you put him in like a 4 or 5 spot. Or if you put Carlson 1 and you're just getting your best hitters the most amount of at-bats basically would be this scenario. You go Carlson 1, uh, Goldschmidt 2, Arenado 3, DeYoung 4. Or you go Arenado 2, Goldschmidt 3. Either one. <laughs> However you want to do it. You, c- you could reverse those things. But I... That is possible, and if Tyler O'Neill, for instance, ends up just crushing the ball, you could put Tyler O'Neill as that cleanup hitter there. I know that we don't think of him that way now. It would take him being pretty darn good for that to be the case, but mm-hmm. that that's an interesting scenario there as well. I also found it interesting that he said the Cardinals, he said the Cardinals are worried about the innings, but then went through and kind of explained, while we are concerned, here's why it's not overly terrifying to yeah. us basically saying they, they had a weird year but they were at least still able to get some work so i'm i'm curious to see how that ends up kind of uh, working through things one last thing oh he made sure to clarify platoons versus matchups i don't know what he meant by that i would imagine he's kind of taking into account more of well it's not just against right-handed pitching but it's the specific style of right-handed pitcher like is he a hard throwing righty is he a guy that's going to throw 91 with a good curve what what is the style of pitcher that you're going up against? I'm imagining that's what he meant there, but I do find it interesting that he clarified between platoons versus matchups. All I heard was no Brett Gardner. That's what I heard him say. <laughs> that is very possible. <laughs> With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're going to dive into the junk drawer, including, in my opinion, the best news report I've heard probably in the last calendar year. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN.